0: Today's guest on the Sports is a Job podcast is Rob Thompson. Rob is a sports media startup founder, author, and podcast host. His first taste of the sports industry was at Boston College as an offensive line coach. But most of his career has been spent with the NFL helping with the grassroots youth program and working at the Walt Disney Company where he serves as a national sales director. Currently, he works at the University of New Haven as a senior director of athletic development. He returned to his alma alma mater, where he was a former All-American offensive lineman to lead a multi-million dollar athletic capital campaign. Also, he is founder and executive director of Game Plan U, where they provide early to mid-stage sports-based startups with a multi-track accelerator weekend retreats designed to meet founders where they are in their startup journey. Among all this, He serves as a mentor to the future leaders of the sports industry. I'm excited for all of you to hear all he had to say. So let's get right to it. Here's the episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Sports' Job podcast journey. Of the working sports professional this is your host colby Castillo, and to let you know what i do on this podcast is i document my journey currently working in the sports industry and hopefully one day reaching the top of my platform being ad so i can spread opportunity through sports and secondly and more importantly i bring out sport professionals who are in positions and have been through the journey that we all are going through or will be going through and they share their story their journey and their insight of how they got to where they are today So today's guest, um, it's a privilege to have him on today. And so I would like to formally welcome Rob Thompson to the Sports is a Job podcast. How are you doing today?
1: Life is good, and I apologize for uh, for not being in my studio here. Um, You know, it's not a great setup, but that's okay, right?
0: And that's the one thing. I I know that through your podcast, um, you promote Anchor a lot, and that's how I got my whole thing started. I don't have a professional setup. I literally record straight from my phone, so it's... It's something I do right out of my office, in my room, everywhere, anywhere. Don't it's it's not a worry. And I noticed that you were a former offensive lineman. So from a former offensive lineman to a former offensive lineman, I like to always hear the story of how um, they became an offensive lineman. So like for myself to tell you my story, I remember my first uh, leading to my freshman year of high school football. I remember going on the field, and our coach was kind of pointing out depending how you looked. He was like you'll play wide receiver, you'll play D-line, you'll play this. And he looked at me and I and he told me, you're going to be an offensive lineman. And the disappointment I had in, on my face and inside, I mean, I couldn't describe it because I always told everybody leading up to high school, I was like, I'm going to be a D-lineman, I'm going to get sacks, I'm going to do my celebration, My I'm a Chargers fan, so I was like, I'm going to do the Sean Merriman dance after I get sacks. And then here yeah. I am the first day of practice, I'm told, you're going to be an offensive lineman.
1: Love it. Uh, mine was a little bit different. <laughs> um, I was a linebacker and tight end, and you know I thought I was a skilled guy. And then <laughs> to my junior year in high school, and then uh, I, I became a uh, you know I was a, they, I was on the line as well as a linebacker. I went to college as a linebacker, and then um, they uh, we had a it was actually a senior that was ineligible as a senior captain was ineligible academically and uh they threw me over at guard i was 220 pounds (laughs) and um you know 44 ncaa games later you know um i went from you know up to a 285 and discovered the weight room and beers and you know (laughs) cafeteria and, and uh you know i had a good career out of that so we were able to play a lot of football and you know, we had a great offensive line coach Was Tony Sperano. The late mm-hmm. Tony Sperano is our, went on to be the head coach of the Dolphins and, you know, in the Raiders. And so we're lucky. Timing up for, for our lives were, were matched up and and, and uh, it, was, it was a good run.
0: Coming from a former student athlete, you know, I've had a lot of former student athletes on the podcast that have gone on to have great careers in the sports industry. So for you, how did the skills um, and the things you learned as a student athlete translate into your career and to making you successful to where you are today?
1: Well, I think just like a lot of student athletes, our time is, is, is of essence, right? We don't have time to intern or we don't have time to, um, to probably explore the industry where we, uh, we, we kind of fit in. Um, but it's really a great, great question because I'm asked this a lot and, and usually it's from the students that I mentor and in looking back at a 30-year career, I think the one thing that is so important is um, as an athlete, you can refer to it as mental toughness. And mental toughness is not just about physical and being in fights and just being a tough person. Mental toughness is about when the coach is yelling at you and, mm-hmm. you know, or the teachers and, um, and you, you can overcome that or you have teammates that are caught up in the drama it really it, it trans it transfers that skill set. If you're one to overcome that, into business because there's going to be people you work with that you don't like working with. Uh, there's going to be bosses that you absolutely um, despise. There's going to be bosses that you love. There's going to be bosses that are tough on you and give you tough love. And bosses that are going to be tough on you just because they can, and they they, they want to they want a grandstand. Um, there's going to be clients that are going to be tough on you. Um, Things aren't always gonna go your way. You're not gonna get the job you think you should get. So mental toughness that you learn, that coaches talk about as an athlete, as a student athlete, those things are very much real as a business professional. So overcoming all that drama, overcoming negativity, overcoming gossiping, you know, not being the one who's going to get caught up emotionally in emails and what someone said about you or why they mean, or why are they such a you know whatever mm-hmm. you know get over it get over it get under it just like it's good an athlete you know don't take it personally you'll learn from it and just put it in the back pocket like that's a person that i have to learn how to if i'm managing up to them how i how they want to see things for me and eventually you're going to change jobs you're going to change bosses just like coaches come and go you know in your life and in your career you change just like a new coach comes in i gotta prove myself again <laughs> same thing with the boss i gotta prove myself again you know, and just do it. It's part of it. You've already lived through it as a player, as a student-athlete. you can live through it as a business professional. And those who don't take it, um, don't take it personally. And those that can rise above the drama are those are the ones that become entrepreneurs, business leaders, and those are the ones that become vice presidents within sports organizations. So it's always the ones that don't do the drama, that don't get caught up in the negativity. Those are the ones that, that go up high in, in companies, mm-hmm. um, whether it's college or professional or what have
0: you. So I have to agree with you. Um, being a former student athlete with that aspect, I've learned how to deal with different personalities, You know, working with people you may not like, um, and uniting to really achieve a common goal, which for me, um, is providing the best possible experience for each student athlete that comes through our program. And so you know, I kind of took a look at your journey um, working through sports. And, you know, I, I looked at it, and the, the first question I, that really popped up in my head is, how? You know, you were going, you were doing, you started your own business, a recruiting agency. You went on to work with the NFL. Um, you went on to be a GM at Arena Football League. Which, um, and then you went to work with Disney. You started a podcast. Um, you started your Game Plan U. And then you went back to your, the school you graduated from. and became um, the director of development, development there. So let's start off with um, your first job in sports. What was that, and how did that opportunity really come about?
1: My first job in sports was a, I was a coach. And, um, you know, I was just done playing and retired from playing, over, I was playing professionally over in Europe. And Coach Verano was my line coach in college, was the offensive coordinator at Boston University. And he hired me to come in and be his line coach there um, at BU. Uh, what I realized, so this is my first real job in the industry. And as, you know, most sport management or, or sports career seekers, they think, Either you got to coach, mm-hmm. or you got you got to be on ESPN or media. So or I want to be the general manager of the Yankees. So there's, I, I too, didn't know. So I said, well, I jump on this opportunity to go coach. I realized after a year, I didn't like the day-to-day of coaching. It just wasn't for me. But I love the recruiting side. I love that part of it. I love the recruiting. I love meeting coaches. I love evaluating players. I love mentoring young players. That's the thing that I looked at that was really near to me. So I went all in on it, and uh, I was I was in charge of recruiting two two co players from California. I met this guy who was a retired athletic director at Santa Barbara Community College, and his and what he was doing then, he was helping all these kids from Ju- juco's of California find places to play. So he was inadvertently the first one of the first scouting services out there. So all college coaches, we would go see him. He would kind of give us an idea of who these kids are. We'd sit in his garage and smoke cigars and drink wine, <laughs> looking over at the. Uh, the Pacific Coast Highway and, and the Pacific Ocean and, and look at film, I'm like, I don't know if it ever gets any better than this moment. <laughs> and uh, so I went back to the, the um, I went back to Connecticut and uh, I got married to my, who was my um, girlfriend in college, I married her and, and, uh, we, and um, we started this business together. I said, there's gotta be a recruiting service. If there's one out there, this, why don't we start one here on the East Coast, we, co- we start an East Coast Recruiting Agency um and we had 250 something division one colleges sign up for our service and we went out and we found we broke out all the division one two and three players in um, on the east coast predominantly in new england and uh, we ended up selling it uh, about a year and a half later to a company called athletes inc mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. we expanded from high school to uh, american football players in europe and australia and professional baseball players in japan and then um and then after that, I went to work uh, for the International Football League, running all their global youth development programs and mm-hmm. development programs. Um, so I bounced in and out of entrepreneurship, you know, for sure. But I guess getting looking back and closing that question up is um, I figured what I I really enjoyed doing, mm-hmm. you know. I so I did went to Discovery. I said yes. I didn't think too much about it when Coach Brano offered me the job. Um, that's I, so why I went from Europe, leaving my girlfriend for about a year. To, to ah, I'm home for two weeks. I went to Boston, and thank God she still married me. And uh, so, as a discovery, you know, and I say any student athlete or any career seekers, especially in sports, um, if it's anything close to the industry itself, just say yes. Even if it's a park rec job or a YMG, my YMCA job or a summer running summer camps or tournaments, just say yes and figure it out. 5ks volunteer is probably the best way to to get involved um you're gonna you're gonna figure out what you hate doing before you discover what you love um so just go all in and say yes and then figure it out from there um so i figured out that this is something that i like doing earlier on and i didn't know who else was doing it so i started a business Mm -hmm. my kitchen table and um you know we, we 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 figured out how i went to a convention that that was sort of like the old linkedin has turned into so i actually went to a convention and i met all these coaches and set up a table in a booth and bought one and networked my butt off and and then it expanded so that that was it that was my first case of entrepreneurship so um and then and and it wasn't you know i was i was married i had a kid and um you know i was trying to figure out how i was going to get those checks coming in the mail Mm -hmm. from the schools Mm -hmm. were paying my bills and You know it was just hustling that was that was it i just had my head down going and i built something and that ultimately led to me going
0: over to uh, work for nfl and nfl international Mm -hmm. yeah um you know i'm kind of interested in the whole recruiting agency um you know you talked about you connected it with 200 different schools was there a struggle with them trusting kind of your eye for talent
1: um, I didn't think so because I came from the college space, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Plus, I played for a long time, and um, you know, the fact that I wasn't charging students, I was charging the schools, so um, it, it it was never a um, I'm, I'm giving this kid a certain grade or or ranking because he's paying me. So that was a different. You know, it's a great question. So there was a very, you know, it, was, it wasn't it was very finite with me. It wasn't a subjective call. So. You know, plus a lot of it came out of the coach their, their high school coaches giving me their information. So, but that's a good question.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you talked about, I, I took a look at your sports stream playbook, their sports stream job playbook. And it was something yeah. that I actually went through for myself. And I kind of looked at, um, and the first thing you said is you have to be real with yourself. You have to be honest. You have to understand what your strengths and weaknesses are. So when you first started in the sports industry, what was this conversation like for yourself?
1: man good questions uh, and i appreciate you doing the research um you know i think in the book you discovered one of the things that uh, the reason why i end up where i ended up is because i had dyslexia still new mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and so i was in, i was a prop 48 kid academically ineligible but when i did find out about it when i got to college i had someone who basically diagnosed me when i got there and and taught me what and really helped me discover what dyslexia was, but also where the strengths are in dyslexia. And a lot of creative, very creative people have dyslexia. So I realized my creative side of my brain just explodes with information, but the but the logical piece sometimes is held up, the thing that absorbs the information. And the way you think, you're thinking five different ways. I know it's very complicated, but I was very aware of that earlier on in my college career. And I knew that I had to go all in on that creative side, so mm-hmm. that's why starting a business was great. That's why coaching wasn't because it's very—it's actually a nose, and your mind doesn't wing up dyslexia. Yeah. It doesn't work yeah. that way. You put be put in a box. So, um, you know, I, I think having that honest conversation of, you know, um, what you're really, really—we sh- all know what our strengths are. We mm-hmm. know. We all know what we're good at. Um, we all, all know that you know maybe your intellect or whether you have a high IQ or high EQ. I knew I had a high EQ and back then they called it street smarts and I just knew my intuition. Mm -hmm. My street smarts was like pinging high all the time. Um, So I just think that's that honest conversation that everybody has is has to have with themselves is don't worry about the things that you don't have or you don't think you're good at or the things that you think even people are telling you are your weaknesses just just move past it, because you're not going to change it. And you're putting in too much effort into trying to change it. Now, there's certain things that you can do to help yourself, like read more, um, you know, but but when you go all in on things that you really like doing and with your, your skills, that's kind of, that's the magic spot right there, because mm-hmm. that's when your career will blow up, mm-hmm. you know, because it's not always going to be great, you know, what you're doing. Um, 80% of the time, it's going to be stressful. But at least if you really like what you're doing, and you think you're making an impact, makes money doing it, then You'll hang in there. I don't know
0: if that answers your question. But... No, no, it definitely does. And it was yeah. um it's one of those things I and like I said, like you say it's it's one of the things I see that you say a lot is you talk about your your talent, your talent and your skills um have to meet your ambition. So like there's yeah. there has to be, you know, it has to be in the same level. And so kind of my question with that is is someone able to rise themselves to their ambition? Because let's for example, let's say um, being an A D You know, I feel like when I see AD, yes, they have the technical skills. They have the knowledge that about the industry. But one of the big things I think stands out is they're a very extrovert person. They're able to communicate with people, build relationships. But with myself and my goal is to be an AD, um, I actually consider myself an introverted person. And so I thought about it. I'm introverted. And that was the reason behind the podcast. So how do I get out of my comfort zone? How do I talk to people? How do I learn the skill of building relationships, having these conversations? And so my question to you is, like I said, are you able to rise to that ambition or do you just settle for you know what you say your skill and your, your knowledge is?
1: I think your ambition is always gonna be 100% in your effort. It's really about your mm-hmm. effort more than your, yeah. Your effort is gonna get up there high. If you really love doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, you're gonna you don't mind staying in the office. You don't mind taking that phone call and paying attention to what's happening on the weekends, especially as a college athletic director. But your entire life is about being uncomfortable if you want to be great. You know, there's nothing there's nothing glamorous about getting up at five AM to go to the gym work winter workouts as a college football mm-hmm. player or a college athlete in general, right? Just to get gym time and away room time unless schools you have to share it. You know, so you have to get up early. You have to be uncomfortable. You have to do the long days. Um, so I think it's about training yourself for those uncomfortable moments that, you know, that lead to great things. Mm-hmm. So if you are uncomfortable in certain situations, first of all, doing a podcast. I mean, you're, you know, I, I agree with what you said. I mean, I, it took me a while to get into this space, too, uh-huh. um, because I was uncomfortable. I hated to be judged. I didn't want to yeah, be judged. yeah. And then you just feel like, ah, you know what? So what? Most of the people I don't know anyway. So, um, and the other ones that are judging me aren't doing anything great anyway. So screw them.
0: Exactly. Right. So
1: yeah, and uh, so I think, I think, um, I think being an, I think there's things that about being an athletic director, you don't necessarily have to be the most outgoing person in the room. Mm-hmm. You just have to be really good at what you're good at. You know, so if that's analytics, if that's managing people, if that that's being a very caring, kind, supportive, empathetic leader, then be that, you mm-hmm. know, and then you hire somebody who's that outgoing person, right? So your chief of staff, um, or your, um, CFO or whatever that may, may be your, um, as an athletic director, you hire the people around you that make up for the skill sets and things that you're not comfortable mm-hmm. or always like doing. That's mm-hmm. all, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what great leaders do and coaches do. You put people in positions to offset, you know, and to make it where they're all working together as a team with the right skill sets. So, just be yourself on that that part of it. I mean, there's certain areas that you are times that you're gonna have to be, but you're not necessarily comfortable, especially as an athletic director, because you're a fundraiser. That's mm-hmm. first and foremost what's what's in that space right now which you have to be in that space Mm -hmm. right now and that means you know really going out of your way to listen to those stories about people's dogs and kids and (laughs) they have a lot of money you know it's just it's part of
0: it yeah
1: but if your real ambition is to make a difference in kids and student athletes lives and make their experience better than the experience that you had Mm -hmm. then you're on the right path Mm -hmm. you know so
0: and i think i think i don't know if you can agree with me um but i mean i'm short my, my, my career is short so far you know I'm 6 months into it but I've done a lot of internships and volunteer work um over the years as, as when I was in college and I got to talk to a lot of ADs and associate ADs and I noticed that a lot of them talk about and I read this book called from Simon Sinek um the infinite game um he talks about you know it, you can't be an in infinite game and have a finite goal and so I was thinking you know is my goal really to be an AD or what what is it what is my purpose really And so I kind of really um, thought about it, and you were talking about it, how my whole purpose, really my whole goal is just to have a bigger platform um, to positively influence student athletes, to give them the opportunity that I got. You know, I got to go from Hawaii to all the way to Minnesota. I got a Miller brother who's about to graduate from high school and he's gonna go to Missouri and play NAIA level football. And there's so many different divisions. There's so many opportunities. And so I really thought about it. I don't think the goal for me is being an AD. So, what, I mean, what's your opinion on that? Is it, is it important? Is it okay to have a set goal of wanting to be an AD, or does it have to be a purpose driven behind that? How old are you? I'm 22.
1: So you have, I would say, another six years to be in your discovery timeline. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, um, to be an AD is just a great place to be you know, mm-hmm. and you should set your goal for being an AD. And then life is going to put up some barriers and life is going to get in the way and it may take you down a different path. And that's okay mm-hmm. because you're exactly where you should be right now, right? Everything is happening for the absolute reason for you to learn, for you to build relationships, and for you to enjoy this moment right now. And if if being an athletic director is going to happen for you, you're going to make every Opportunity to take yourself in that direction. However, if things don't go that way, and you get and you go to work for a digital media agency, or you go to work to, for another business somewhere that's related, to or you go to work for a team or a league, um, or you start your own industry of business, that's okay because what you're learning now is the most important thing, mm-hmm. um, and you're building that foundation for everything that's going to happen in your life later on. So. I would say to you and everybody else just don't overthink it mm-hmm. you know do things that are positive to help other people for you to learn and to, for you to grow have those big goals for yourself that you write down and you're going to achieve but everything i look at it i call it the kind of the fives you know what's going to happen for you in the next five minutes the next five hours the five days five weeks five months right mm-hmm. those are the goals you should be setting they're just really you know they're 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 micro goals and focus in on that part of your life more so than anything else I wish that I enjoyed working for the NFL more than I did Mm -hmm. there's moments when we're at incredible events and doing incredible things and I'm sitting there worried about my next contract my next step Mm -hmm. what's happening next not really enjoying where my feet were and um, so life is going to take you in a day in a way when we when you look back at this in six years from this conversation you know, and, you know, you're running your own sports technology agency. Uh-huh. Who knows?
0: Yeah, who knows. who knows? Mm-hmm.
1: You just have a lot of time and, and, life, and life and time is on your side right now. Mm-hmm.
0: And I, I have to admit, I do struggle with patience, I guess, in this journey. I mean, I I do get it. I'm 22 years old. I just graduated. But I think the, the whole mindset, my whole ambitions, uh, my ambitions and wanting to accomplish things, um, and it's funny because I, we had a very first senior seminar that we implemented um, yesterday. And one of the things I was telling them about is like, you don't have to have your whole life planned out. You don't have to have your life plan. Um, it's about building the foundation right now, no matter what's that way, no matter what path or what career you do choose to go t- down, down towards, um, you'll be successful in whatever it is you do. And so I want to get back into your journey. Um, and you talked about you worked for the NFL. And the story is you decided to volunteer for a camp and that led to the opportunity you had. So let's talk about networking. And I think that's an important thing for everybody who, who's trying to get into any industry, any career, not just the sports um, industry, networking is huge. Um, it's gonna give you opportunities, it's gonna have you be able to talk to people and get an idea of what the work is really like. So how did networking help you in getting the NFL job and in getting the rest of your, um, your positions and jobs that you have today?
1: Well, I, I like to tell the story that I never had a uh, a resume because I always relied upon my mm-hmm. friends or you know my reputation to get me to that next job, and um, and that's true. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it it it, it um, building a re- building a network and friends was always very easy for me. I always stayed in touch with people, and I still do that to this day. And. I've always said yes to helping people out. Like I've never met you before, and no. you give me an email, mm-hmm. and like let's do it, you know. So, because at some point you're going to do it for somebody else, and somebody else, and somebody else, and people did it for me. So yeah, so now it was, it was. I had no idea what I was getting into. Going to volunteer for that NFL, NFL play, um, playing football. Now they call it Play Sixty, but mm-hmm. back then they wanted put footballs in people's ends. So call it Play Football. It was the first event ever. I volunteered. Didn't know where it was going to go. And um, and great things happened after that. I ended up meeting the right person, who was the new director of the youth programs, Scott Lancaster, and we just developed a relationship. And anyways, eight years later, seven years later, or whatever, um, and I don't know. It, it was it was incredible. But that was that was an, a, a, a challenge for me to to kind of. You know, say hello, be nice to people, be yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, but just not stand there. Be, get 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 in the game. You know, don't stand on the lot sidelines. Get in the game. When you go to a networking event, just don't stand on the side. You know, don't stand at the bar. Just get out there, meet people, say hello. Put, pick your head up from your phone when you're in an elevator and say hello to people. Yeah. You're sitting on a plane next to somebody, acknowledge them, say hello to you. You know, you never know who you're going to meet sitting at a bar having lunch or whatever. Maybe dinner, not. Lunch at the bar, but who. <laughs> You know, so I used to say, tell my people that I would hire, um, in the, especially in sales position, take me out fly into their market, take me to your favorite restaurant. The restaurant is your go-to, whatever go-to restaurant you have, just take me there. And if I go there and they didn't know anybody in there, they didn't know the owner or the wait staff or the bartender, I don't mean to keep on saying bartender, but it's important, right? If they didn't know anybody, that means they're, they're not, they can't sell, mm-hmm. they're not marketers, mm-hmm. they're, not, they're not connectors. You know, they're not outgoing, they're not, they just, they don't have that. So, um, the sports industry and every industry is, is, is about relationships
0: 100%. So, yeah. And you talked about, um, with this NFL experience, you kind of got, uh, NBA equivalent education going through it. And I just tweeted out today, I, I said, you know, not all your education happens in the classroom. It happens during, um, internships, volunteer work. Uh, part-time jobs so what is what is the things that you learned that made you say you got an equivalence to MBA?
1: yeah so i i, I didn't know how the business worked the business of sports i didn't know how sponsor activation works uh, the media side of it how to gain attention how to grow um when I mean, we started the nfl flag program for um six to twelve year olds and it was i mean we came up with the rules everything this was back in 95 and it was basically building a a generation of of consumers. It wasn't really about building players, about building consumers. Because the the idea is if you put a ball in someone's hand or a bat or a stick, um, or somebody, or a paintbrush, they do it earlier on, chances are they're going to become a consumer or violin or piano. Chances are not only would they become, when they become a participant, they become a consumer. Um, And that was a key learning for me earlier on, how to get people's attention. Once you get them there, how do you engage them? How do you collect their data? How do you make sure they come back again? How do you make sure that there's their experience when they're with you is absolutely incredible mm-hmm. that they remember you not by what you did or what the signage of that? But how'd you made them feel mm-hmm. right? And if you made them feel great, if you made them feel welcome, if you looked at them and say hello, I mean, so many times the customer service, especially in pro sports is, is atrocious. Right, it's almost like you're doing. They're doing you a favor by opening up their gates and letting you come into a clinic. I didn't feel that way. I felt like you know, thank you for coming, and, and what can we do to make your experience here with us today at this event better? Because you gave us your your kids to go through our our, tra- our little mini camp and mm-hmm. our in our flag football clinic. And we're going to make sure that they have the best experience ever. So stand off to the sidelines, go get a cup of coffee, and let us do what we do. Yeah. So a lot of the coaches that I would hire to work our camps weren't necessarily football coaches, because they were so difficult to kind of convert over to flag football coaches. They just didn't. It's not real football, you know the whole thing. So I went. I said, okay, no more football coaches. I, I went directly after um, after uh, gym teachers.
0: Okay.
1: Because they know how to coach kids. Yeah, the, yeah. The key is. Right. The key is co- coaching children, or coaching in general. It's it's dem- it's explanation, demonstration, participation. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are three steps of coaching. And most football coaches they rather stand there for an hour and demonstrate how you throw a football and having fifty kids sit down in the grass and watch them. Mm-hmm. watch them, mm-hmm. and they just don't they didn't get it. So, anyways, so that's what I learned. I learned from that experience working for the NFL, and it was uh, it was it was pretty incredible.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. How did you so? You learn so much in this job. So when you first started, um, you know, for me, I feel like I don't know everything, right? So how did you did you deal with that?
1: Oh gosh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was hard to get the culture of working in corporate America.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it was
1: that was that was tough. You know, there was, there was policy and procedure, and <laughs> I wasn't I didn't I, I didn't understand why. You know, there was a lot of very very smart people um, that were involved in it. And um, there was a lot of people that I felt that will, were, you know, very entitled uh, because their dads got them the job, and the dad met a lot of senators' kids, and a lot mm-hmm. of congressmen's kids, and a lot of corporate sponsorship kids that work for the teams and the leagues. And uh, I've kind of figured that out very quickly. <laughs> and that's kind of where the hint. That's where the name of my book mm-hmm. came from. So, um, but I also met an incredibly hardworking. Uh, passionate people that work for the teams and the leagues and smart and nice and those Interesting enough those are always the ones that went on to be GMs and presidents yeah. and and are still doing really well For ESPN and the media cup worlds It's it's those people that were always the ones that were great to work with that was smart and that worked hard mm-hmm. You never used the I went to Harvard excuse.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I heard that a lot.
0: Did you? Uh,
1: yeah, I didn't give a shit. They, I don't <laughs> care if you went to Harvard. We're standing here. Exactly. They got the yeah. same logo on my business card as you have. Mm-hmm. What does that matter? Mm-hmm. You know, I barely got into college. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so um, I don't know. I just I don't think any of that matters. So um, life experience, um, work experience, just get out there and do it. You can only listen to a professor who's never actually done it, and they're teaching you on based on philosophy and research, not actual practical information. And they can't tell you any stories because they haven't done shit. yeah so you know besides write a book that other people did so uh what things other people experienced. so that's that's that to me uh, and that's okay for a lot of a lot of subjects but for me i needed to get out there in the real world i didn't learn and to me i didn't four years was playing football mm-hmm. it wasn't for me academically i was a criminal justice major and once i got in the real world i realized i love business and uh, and I understand people, so now well, that was it. You know, <laughs> so even today, now people, you know, someone because I'm in higher ed, they're like, "Well, why don't you go back? Why don't you get your MBA?" I'm like, "Why?" Yeah, I just yeah. work. This is I, I. already have my career. Thirty years later, uh, you know, um, I get why, but it's it's the wrong reason why you should have your MBA. Mm-hmm. You know, to to have a piece of paper so that I can sit at a cocktail party and tell someone I got an MBA.
0: Mm-hmm. No. Ain't
1: happening.
0: And um, so I want to go back, and I want to get. Let's go to like 2016 when you start the podcast. Is that correct? You started the podcast in 2016. Um, yeah, it
1: started. you Started in 2016. I mm-hmm. started when uh, right at the closing light. Well, I started a little bit earlier than that, but I got really serious about it. So I own North American Sports Group, uh, which I bought the iconic property of Hoop It Up Three on Three Basketball, uh, which Kevin Garnett now owns. And, um, but at that time it was a 30 year old company. We ran 180, um, tournaments a year, three on mm-hmm. three basketball, three on three soccer, and then five on five flag football. And, um, so I started the podcast because I use it as a hack. I used it to get it into, uh, to the gatekeepers. Okay. And, and, and I was watching, you know, a lot of other people doing podcasts for a long time and then kind of pop it up on, on LinkedIn. I'm like. And i got to try this out, and i got to mm-hmm. figure this thing out. And, and, and uh, so finally, I was trying to get to, through this gatekeeper at a, at a major media company. They had an RFP to go out to, to do a national um, soccer tour. And I was like, well, that's what we do. We, we need to be part of that RFP. So I hounded this guy, hounded this guy, and I couldn't get the, I could not get him to respond to anything, emails or phone calls. And when I finally emailed him, my last desperation, this was it, my home run swing, I said, would you like to be on my podcast? And within 10 minutes, he responded and said, absolutely. And he copied a couple people. He said, let's set up a time. Send me, you know, okay. Well, I didn't have a podcast. <laughs> right? I didn't have a podcast at the time. So I was planning to get one done. I was like, all right, now I really got to get it done. Yeah. So I ended up I ended up scheduling out about a month later. And I, filled in a, I did a couple of uh, kind of test shows. I created a. I created a logo the whole thing I found a platform to do it on and I did my show with him um, and in uh, ended up great me ended up getting a little piece of the RFP action for a moment and it became my hat and what I realized is I loved it I absolutely loved it just like you love it mm-hmm. you know I love meeting new people I realized everybody hardly anybody says no um, to a to a show yeah. and, right yeah. And um, I, and I you know, I got comfortable. I found my platform, just like you, and you found comfortable that you know what vehicle you're going to use and kind of how to how, how to compound, you know, all the content and spit it out, audio, visual, and you know, blogs and stuff. And uh, it just took off. Mm-hmm. It took off. And actually, next month or March, I got asked by um, the podcast. There's a podcast convention down in Orlando,
0: okay. Podcast
1: Con. I think I've heard of sport, it. Mm-hmm. There's a sports podcast sports podcast convention that's happening at part of it. So it's a piece of it. So they've asked me to come down there to be their, their closing speaker of that, uh, of that event. And, um, I've met so many great people like yourself mm-hmm. and, um, I think it's just a great way to share information. And, um, yeah, so I started sports biz podcast now sports biz radio. I rebranded it because I have a couple of podcasts mm-hmm. underneath it, underneath that umbrella. And, um, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been incredible.
0: Who is a person in your life that you looked up to, whether it's professionally, personally, or in any aspect?
1: Oh, man, there's been there's been so many, but I'll keep this short. Um, I guess I probably I probably looked up to my dad at the most as just a grinder and a hustler and a hard worker, Um, very blue collar guy. And, um, you know, just just treated everybody right. Mm -hmm. you know and was the guy that uh, never used excuse never went to college Um, you know just had a couple side hustles Mm -hmm. and everything was he was always very honest he was probably the most um, high character straight person I've ever met my life as far as everybody was excellent exactly the same Um, You know, we we lived in a very multi-cultured town, an area, very, very blue-collar and urban. And um, being led by a father that wasn't racist Mm. and accepted everybody, he always said there's two kinds of people in the world, there's assholes and there's good people. (laughs) And and, and when you have that, and that is a foundation of who you become in your life, and especially when you play sports, and um, that's probably, who I looked up there was no cutting corners my dad ever and I'm just so grateful that I had that as a, a foundation ever a lovey hug you know love and hug and I love you not a, not a, mm-hmm. we're Irish you know you never knew that's you know you never knew they were managing to uh, three years later uh-huh. you know not but um, but they you know certainly led by example so my my answer would be my dad
0: that's great to hear. Again, Rob, I appreciate you, you know, coming on to the Sports is Job podcast. You had a lot of great things to say. Um, and to the listeners out there, I appreciate you listening. And like I always say, we are all on our own journeys, but you are not alone.